and welcome to episode 26 of Yins Are Good, the podcast that shares all of the good stuff going on here in Pittsburgh, PA, and the good people who are making it so. I am your host, Tressa Glover, and I cannot believe it, but this episode marks our one year anniversary. Woohoo! It's true. One year being on the airwaves. Our first episode dropped on July 28th, 2020, and here we are, this episode dropping on July 30th, 2021. So as you might think, uh, this has led me to think back on this past year, a year in review, if you will, and holy heck, the lineup of folks who I've had the honor of talking to, the folks who have shared their stories, their memories, our Name That Neighborhood special guests, all of it. It's a bit overwhelming, but in the best way possible. Knowing all of them are right here in the Pittsburgh area. It is inspiring. It is hopeful. Ah, Yins have made me smile, that's for sure. And especially, you know, as extra difficult as 2021 has been for me and for my family, I am so grateful to all of you. I am so grateful to all who have joined me on the show and forever grateful to all of you who tune in episode after episode. I know I've said it before, but I am saying it again because it's true. I love (laughs) this community that we're creating. And so as part of this podiversary, can I say that? Is that a thing? I'm saying it. This podiversary. Um, (laughs) On it, in celebration of it, I reached out to those organizations who have been on the show. I did a little check-in. And asked how they're doing and if they have any updates for us that they'd like to share. And I am so excited to share that with you. Also, in celebration of this milestone, uh, I wanted to share with you a personal story of someone who has definitely made my life better in more ways than I can count, actually. Uh, But I know... Uh, for a fact that I am not the only person whose life she has greatly affected. She has nurtured, supported, cared for, mentored literally thousands of kids in the Pittsburgh area. Uh, I was in first grade when I first met her. She was one of my teachers. And now decades later, I am lucky enough to call her one of my closest friends. Her name is Karen Cordaro, better known as Mrs. C, Uh, and among other endeavors, she is the founder of Act One Theater School. So I will be sharing with you my story about her, but also she and I sat down for a little chat. Interview would definitely be far too formal a term for the two of us. We sat down for a chat to talk about all she's done to help others, although she is very humble about it all, um, 
But she also talked about all of the volunteers who have helped her over the years and how grateful she is for them. So that is coming up. Also, you know it. Name that neighborhood. Okay, Don's coming back. Okay, my insers. He's coming back once again. Going to try his hand at it. He has a lot to, to live up to after his last round of perfection. And I think that sums it up <laughs> for what's coming up here for you in episode 26. Again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being a part of this. And now let's get to the good stuff. Hello, this is Tiffany Huff Struthers with When She Thrives. On behalf of When She Thrives and our board, I just want to say congratulations to you, Tressa, on one year of the Yins Are Good podcast. It has been an amazing year. You've shared so many awesome things, and it was our pleasure to be featured as part of the amazing things that you share here on the podcast. As an update, I want to share that we are um, or we have been able to prepare for and we are having our one-year anniversary, or excuse me, our annual anniversary celebration on Sunday, August 8th. We have um, been able to secure several sponsors and we are going to be honoring five phenomenal women, celebrating 21 authors from Scenes from a Single Mom Volumes three and four, and it is going to surely be a great celebration. We've also, since speaking to you, gotten four new phenomenal women to join our board. So our board has grown a lot. We're up to 11 board members now, which is extremely exciting. And we are preparing this fiscal year to be able to host not one, but two public, public ally fellows, and as well to hire a full-time staff member, which will be huge for when she thrives. And so it has just been a pleasure to be part of the Yans Are Good community, to share our work. (laughs) And Tiffany did get cut off there at the very end. And as I told her, oh, that's happened to me many times on a voicemail. But yes, so Tiffany did leave us a voicemail, uh, And how about it, When She Thrives, so much going on. I know I mentioned them last episode, but that August 8th event is coming up. And uh, their website, as well as all of the others that you'll be hearing from here, um, everyone's info will be in our show notes. So be sure to check that out. Congratulations, Tiffany, and all that you and your team are achieving. That is awesome. And so now I have a couple of emails to read to you from some more of our friends here. So from Scott Pavlot, whom you may remember from the Westview Hub. He says, hi, Tressa. It's been a busy time at the Westview Hub. Our summer programs are in full swing with a variety of offerings, including morning children's programs, art classes, yoga, chess club, and model railroading, to name a few. We also held a week-long acting class with 45 children participating. It's great to see so much activity and enthusiasm. Looking forward, we're planning a 5K for October 16th, along with Dance Land Memories Dance later in the month. 
The food pantry keeps us busy too, and we continue to see consistent demand. As you can see, we're busy, we're blessed, and most importantly, we're thankful. You can always check us out at westviewhub.org. Congratulations on your one-year anniversary. All the best from the Westview Hub. Ah, Scott, I'm so happy to hear all of this. And a week-long acting class, I love it, with 45 kids. That's fantastic. But all of these programs, just so happy to hear about all of this. And we'll keep our eyes out here for those upcoming events that you're talking about as well. Thank you, Scott, and for all that you do, you and your team there. And now I also have an email from Audrey and Amy Wetterall, whom you may remember from Socks with a Mission. So they say, hello, Tressa, happy anniversary to Yins Are Good from Socks with a Mission. Thank you for spreading love and joy in our great city of Pittsburgh over the past year. At Socks with a Mission, we're busy gearing up for fall and winter when our homeless neighbors and those in need will be looking for warm, new socks. Our latest project is providing socks for 1,200 back-to-school backpacks that will go to disadvantaged youth in Pittsburgh. We hope to help these children with a great start to the new school year. We've also already talked to several homeless shelters and other programs in Pittsburgh and Youngstown, Ohio, which will be needing socks soon as well. To meet those needs, we're reaching out to our local school districts about holding Socks with a Mission sock drives this fall. If any of your kind listeners are interested in holding their very own sock drive in their school, community, or organization, they can visit us at www.SocksWithAMission.org to learn more. Thank you for all you do to remind us of how many good people there are in our wonderful city who are helping others and for spreading the word about kindness and compassion. Happy anniversary to Yins Are Good. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much, Audrey and Amy, for such kind words. And ah, I love this. 1,200 back-to-school backpacks that are going to include warm new socks. I love this idea. And, you know, and when we talked... They had mentioned that they were really wanting to expand and starting to grow more, and it certainly seems as if they are. So again, all of you know these websites, we're going to have them, again, uh, in our show notes for you all. If there's anything, if you're interested, if you realize that you do want to help in some way, volunteer in some way, donate in some way, then please do reach out to any of these folks. And Audrey and Amy, I hope... That everything else in your lives is going well. I hope that new horse, Audrey, um, is treating you well. But I do. I thank you so much, not just for sharing with us and, and catching us up with all that's going on, but for all that you continue to do. And Audrey, you're a powerhouse. You got a great mom there along with you. So thank you. So Tiffany and Scott and Audrey and Amy... I thank you, and to all of our guests from this past year, thank you. Yins are good. Oh, what to say about Karen Cordaro. Okay, well, (laughs) I can say this off the top here, that it's not really an exaggeration to say that it would take a couple of episodes uh, for me to really share all of the things I want to say about how she has 
made my life better uh, from really big events or really big moments as we might categorize them to some that might be seen as smaller ones, simpler ones. But they all, to me, have, uh, they all add up to the same effect. <laughs> uh, to give you an idea, uh, well, as I said, I have known her since first grade. She actually was one of my teachers, my teacher teachers, so to speak, meaning <laughs> she would become my first acting teacher, but she taught me regular school at um, uh, Providence Heights Alpha School, which is on the Roche College's campus. And it was a, it is a very small Catholic school. It was all nuns and then Mrs. C. Uh, so she actually taught me in a classroom setting as well as in a theater setting. And so my fond memories of her really do go all the way back to there. Um, but it's, it's funny, one of the first things that I think of as far as a specific moment is in class one day, and I had to have been maybe fifth or sixth grade, and I don't, I don't even remember which class it was, to be honest, but um, I just remember that it, she had called on me to answer something, and I wasn't sure. I was hesitating and hesitating, and she just looked right at me. And very kindly said, it's okay to be wrong. Take the risk. It's okay to be wrong. And it was helpful in so many ways in that moment. (laughs) Uh, Not only for the obvious of, okay, this is a safe place here, right? I'm going to say this. And, And also, it made me realize that that was something, a hang up, whatever you want to call it, that my personality, right, needing everything to be all in a row and wanting to be very, very sure before I take a chance here. I want to make sure I don't want to say anything and look stupid or, you know, or look silly or be. And with just those couple of, of words from her, how that began to change me and beginning with even just that idea of the self-awareness of it, like, oh my gosh, that is what I do. And that has uh, definitely come up in my brain many, many times throughout my life. She, I can say, uh, was one of the first people, other than my parents, but honestly, to teach me kindness. How important acts of kindness are, how important it is to help other people. And it's not that she told me to do all of this. It's that I watched her do all of this. And I continue to watch her do all of this. And so we sat down for a chat uh, in her living room. And, oh, the windows. Okay, so we had all the windows open. So you're going to hear a nice little, there's a cicada symphony going on. So from time to time, you'll hear that pleasant sound. Um, as our back, as our background music. And not only do we talk about Act One Theater School, uh, that she founded and she has since given up the reins to some other fabulous folks who are now running it, but we also talk about her work in childbirth education in the 1970s. So much this woman has done, so much she has been and continues to be to so many people. And so here it is our chat. 
Oh, do you want to mention? You had mentioned it earlier, but you don't oh, have to. What's about that? your voice. You had said it before, but oh, you don't have to. I, can... I just said I might mention this in case it's able to help somebody else. My voice sounds like this because um, I've been in that wonderful dance of cancer battle for 26 years. And one of the times it returned, it wrapped around the, larynge the laryngeal nerve. Um, and it had to be cut. And so that has limited the use of one of my vocal cords. And so this is what I sound like. And that's how it is, and that's fine. Um, I can talk, and I feel blessed. And I still get to do all the stuff I like to do. And I can crack jokes with you, so all's good. <laughs> Thank God for that. What would I do without that? So you moved into this house in 1975. Mm -hmm. So what are the di what were you doing at that time? Or, you know, you got all, all these, you've had these different chapters and you've had, you mm -hmm. know, these different people whom you've worked with over so many years. <laughs> it's true. It's <laughs> You're so, true. so old at this point. <laughs> yeah. Who haven't you worked with? But... No, but so at that time, what were you doing? 1975, well, my first child, Kate, was born in 71. And right after her birth, Tom and I became active in childbirth education. So by 75, I was teaching classes uh, right here, right here in front of this fireplace. <laughs> this room would be surrounded by a bunch of pregnant ladies and their pillows and their husbands and... I would teach classes many nights a week, actually. Um, so I was home with my kids during the day um, or out doing speaking engagements or whatever. And uh, Tom was working as a youth development counselor with adjudicated delinquent kids. And then he decided to go to law school and so he graduated in 83. So during all that time, I was still very involved in um, childbirth education and with a lot of other really amazing women in this city. We were able to um, work with our medical advisors and go out and do research. And like I got to go to California and see all the birthing rooms out there which there was nothing like that here. We were in Pittsburgh, we were allowed to have fathers in the delivery room, but that was newly won. And I got to interview midwives. The midwifery movement was just starting here. Okay. And come back and bring photos and interviews to our medical board. And we were able to to get birthing rooms in the New McGee Hospital, sibling visitation, a lot of family-centered maternity care policies that were new in this area. You know, Pittsburgh was, at that time, um, years behind California. And so um, we were able to bring that information and get it done. When you're talking about the women just in this living, just picturing, in this living room how they would come here and you would do all of this are there any whom 
at least for maybe several years after, but you'd like you kept in touch with or tabs on or, you know. I'm still in touch with many of them. Really? Yeah, and some of my Act One kids were my babies. Their parents would come in to sign them up, you know, or come to the first day of class and say, look, it's me. This is the kid. No! Oh, yeah, for, for real. Yeah, it was very exciting. And like Janice and Harley Allen are from way back when. We went through huge experiences together. And then that's really funny because then they brought their child, who they were inspired by my daughter Kate's name. They named their little girl Kate. I didn't know. Okay. And she went all through Act One and then... She's a, a face stylist now. I just went and had a facial with her two days ago. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's like this whole life has been, as you say, many chapters, but they are interwoven. Hmm. And I'm always struck by how we help each other grow into who we are, you know? Because it feels like, sometimes I think of it like, everybody bumps us a little bit, shapes us a little bit, molds us a little bit, you know, as all the people that we're interacting with and, and that, that we're always being reshaped and shaped and just affected by. And sometimes by one sentence someone has said to us, hmm. I remember when Tom was trying to decide whether to go to law school or not, we had little kids um, and he was starting at 33. It was his little pre-midlife crisis. <laughs> and we were visiting some friends. And we were just sitting there in their kitchen. And Tom was going back and forth and, where, you know, whether or not he should do this. And her husband just looked at him and said, get the paper. And I cannot tell you how many times in my life since then, I've been in a position to look somebody in the eye and say, get the paper. One sentence. Yep. And yep. it changes lives. It's really, really cool mm -hmm. to have people in your life who say what you need to hear. Like, I, re I remember my dad saying, I was in college and I was dating someone who went to a different college and I had gone up to visit him for a weekend, but he wasn't making his way out to visit me. And I would always go to my dad with my issues, my dating issues. And I, I just, like it happened yesterday, I remember my dad saying, Tressa, you can't keep a guy in love away from you. If he loves you, he finds a way. Nice. And my girlfriends through time who were, how old thou, they still say, I always remember Mr. Glover, and that got me through you know, my 20s or whatever it was. Yeah. And we don't ever know, we don't ever know where that's gonna come from, who it's gonna come from. Well, the cool thing too is that so many of us are all facing the same issues as we go through life, right? Yeah. Hi, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> the cat has arrived. The cat has arrived. Um, we're not so unique. <laughs> right. <laughs> we're just not. We all have like, I was a psych major and when I was in school, developmental psych stopped at about 21. We thought you were finished. <laughs> oh. When I went back to work on my master's, I got to take 
um, adult psychology, you know, adult development, and learn all these predictable phases as you go through the decades that I had experienced and am now experiencing, that I'm like, oh, well, that's blah, 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 blah. And you realize just this is normal. This is the part of our development, and uh, it's okay. <laughs> You're going to go on to the next one pretty soon. <laughs> yeah. Learn what you need to know here. <laughs> We're a lot more alike than we are different from each other. Yeah. And so finding, and I think that's why, like you're saying, someone can say something, it can be advice, it can be whatever it is, and it can be from an unexpected source, right? I mean, meaning it's not maybe from a parent or grandparent or loved one who you feel like, yes, of course, they would get, it can come right. from anywhere because we're all more connected and we all understand each other more than I think right. we have a chance to realize. Most yeah. of us think we're alone in this. And the only one who's ever felt this way. And if you start talking about it, you realize, oh, <laughs> and this worked for her, and this worked for him, and, you know. The cat, that is Charlie, by Charlie. the way. Charlie's Charlie. Charlie's <laughs> So, okay, oh yes. <laughs> yes. So, childbirth, but then you went on. Oh. Yes. Well, yeah. Thousands of children <laughs> she worked that? with. <laughs> There's that thing. So here's the deal. Okay. <laughs> so um, I danced as a kid. I loved it. It was my life. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I majored in psych, but I minored in English, and that was my that's my groove, for real. And then I got into all this sciencey stuff with the childbirth and that was great I, I did it it was I loved it but I took my four-year-old daughter to see Peter Pan and I cried through the whole thing hmm. I cried I sobbed because that's who I really am <laughs> that's my heart that theater and and fantasy and just all the magic of the beauty of that. When, when Kate and my son went to school, I volunteered teaching uh, the gifted program. I was certified in English, but I had taught for the city schools. I developed a theater curriculum for the city of Pittsburgh. And so I taught the gifted program at Alpha School, Providence Heights Alpha in La Roche College. Then I started teaching regular classes there. And Tom was in law school and we needed a little extra money and I asked if I could use their facilities to offer theater classes after school. And they were so gracious. And I think I charged $100 a year. It was, you know, people made $25 installments. And I had a I had a record player from the third grade teacher's classroom. Yes. And the theater, the just you know, the auditorium was all mine after school. And so I was able to run classes and and they built and they built until I got to the point where I'm thinking, 
maybe <laughs> I should just open this to the public. And so in 1986, after five years at Alpha, I opened it to the public and started out with 44 kids and a record player I bought myself. <laughs> and uh, in a church basement. And my daughter, who was in high school, came after school and helped with choreography and I taught everything myself and was taking classes at the Playhouse and um, just developing my own skills as well. It just continued to grow and it was really tough. I just keep telling people who open their own businesses, give it a good five years, you know. Finally, I made an extra $50 and I didn't need it to buy food. That year, I bought an ad in the North Hills News Record, and I went from 45 kids to 90. And yeah, it was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and it just kept building. It's just, you know, we got to the point where we had like between 250 and 300 kids in grades two through eight, and then another, depending on the year, from 20 to 50 in the high school. It was wonderful. After a couple of years, I was able to start hiring staff, and we got these wonderful, wonderful teachers. And my son, Alex, uh, did all the stage combat when we would have fights in the shows. Um, he's a stage combat choreographer now. But the thing is, it's all about volunteers. <clears throat> Here's what happened. You know, you get start putting together shows and you needed help with scenery and you needed help with everything, costumes, etc. Those parents just threw themselves into it. It was amazing. And then in 92, I get this phone call in March. The show's gonna be in May. In March, I get a call from a family, from a woman, Lynn Oberg, who says, we're moving here to Pittsburgh from Chicago next week. We, our real estate agent told us wonderful things about Act One. We are theater people. Can our kids join? This is March. I said, yes. She said, by the way, my husband does lights and I do costumes. I never knew that. I never knew that. That's how you first for sure got to know. And they moved from from Chicago to Pittsburgh, and came to their first Act One class before they went to their house. What? Yep. And from then on, it was like it was just this beautiful friendship and and help and help and help. Brad's an architect. He started building these amazing sets for us. Lynn started the, the costume department um, at Act One. We had originally been working with Spotlight, who were wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, but it was nice to have an in-house department, you know. And um, just so many hundreds of parents would join in. and help with everything, help with costumes, help with sets, help with the physical building of things.
and it was wonderful. It's been it's been a wonderful 33 years for me of doing that, and uh, those people, most of those people, remain best friends even yeah. today, even today. You said that about family, and that's one thing. I mean, I can speak to not even the people that you went through Act One with, but there's an automatic connection when you meet someone who was younger than you, older than you, not many are older than me, um, but it's this automatic family and connection. And here's why I believe a lot of kids, most of the kids, go in it for many years, right? During those years, they're exposed to the same staff. They're exposed to the same values. They are taught the same work ethic. They are taught the same level of acceptance of other people's differences. They are taught to take risks, given the freedom to take risks. And if one act oneer from 1995 meets somebody from 2015, they are very similar in many, many ways. Mm -hmm. And we've had kids, honestly, who are like, I'm coming to live in LA, I need a place to crash. And another act oneer who didn't even know them comes through for them. It's a beautiful thing. <clears throat> I always think of it too, <clears throat> because okay, it's it's a theater school, okay, and yes, some students who go through there choose to pursue the performing arts as their adults or the arts in some way, but so many don't. But <laughs> or and I should say. <clears throat> From the moment you're there, you know it's okay. Anything is okay, and the idea that cause you would say that you grow people, or Act One, <laughs> we're growing people, it wasn't about you need to go be a star. It's about you need we're building we're trying to build good people here. Plus, those are skills, theater skills you use every day in everything you do. We're developing leaders. We're developing people who because they have play somebody's part, have to get into their shoes and feel their feelings and think about what motivates them and what the relationships are. And, you know, then they take that over to their own lives and asking themselves the basic question, what do I want, mm. right? Mm -hmm. We have to do that every day, <laughs> every single day. <laughs> yeah. There are so many important things in life and so many ways to teach them. Theater's one way to teach them. Not that, I think these are pretty basic values, but it's like a work ethic and get there on time and look somebody straight in the eye and have a conversation with them and um, express your feelings. And, and, and if someone expresses their feelings, nobody's laughed at right? Yeah. You need a safe place, especially growing up in schools, in society where it tends to get clicky or, you know, social media can tend to get mean. Everybody needs a place where they feel safe. Mm -hmm. I always think it felt, I felt so much joy that I felt like I was cheating. Oh. I'm a smart woman and I think of all the things I could have done with my life that I chose an easy path. Now, 
I worked seven days a week. <laughs> I worked 18-hour days. But it was so fun that I felt like I cheated. And I realized a couple of years into it that for me, I needed to give it a mission. Mm. I needed to give this work a deeper meaning than it might have had otherwise. And so that's, that's what that's all about. And all the people who made that happen for us, all these incredible teachers and these incredible parents mm. who just give so much, you know? I've watched, you know, music teachers work with kids who have disabilities and give up lunch to help coach a child who needs this opportunity to have this solo and feel good about them, themselves. Um, and it's just like, well, sure, that's what we do, right? Yeah. But no, not everybody does that. And we have the people who do, and it's, it's a beautiful thing. But it is something to think, when I think about, so over, so yeah, you were 33 years. I've now handed the reins over, but it's thousands of kids. It is. But it's a legacy, you know? Well, it's a legacy if all of those thousands of kids create safe spaces for other, the next gang of kids. I have a cat here who is attacking my bare feet, and it's pretty funny. <laughs> He's out of control. He's out of control. Charlie is out of control. He wants some attention, so that's what's happening here. <laughs> so there are many reasons why you're in this episode, um, and, and I think, <laughs> um, but, but specifically, and, and thinking, okay, yins are good. Okay. Oh no. Well, I'm just thinking, this this broadcast that we're doing here has become extremely philosophical, and it does not <laughs> reflect the downright idiocy that we have when we are together. <laughs> that is true. It's true. That's not. You know, we do philosophy, but we laugh like crazy too. <laughs> and I and I have to say too, um, we're talking full circle. We're talking back to back, but it is this. Uh, I when I look back to little five-year-old Tressa, um, you know, teacher, student, mentor, but then friend, family. I mean, just our relationship. It's and as you're saying, it's. All of the things. It's so much laughter, thank goodness, <laughs> through over all of these years. I don't have any other relationship in my life like the one I have with you. Me too. You know, <laughs> we're friends who have had so many different roles in each other's lives. Yeah. But we're absolutely friends. I mean, it's yeah. like total equals, total goofballs. <laughs> and we help each other get through. We do. <laughs> we do. It's been a good thing, Tres. I love you. I love you. <laughs> Hi, Don. Hi, Tressa. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. It's good to be back. Right? Is it? Always. Oh, thanks for that. It's a, it's a pleasure. This Each is... and every time. Oh, this is this is a big episode. 
I've heard rumor. Yeah. 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 How do you feel about it? I feel great. I feel like I I had to be the one to be on the one year anniversary. Yeah, it seems as, right. As much time as I've put in. <laughs> <laughs> no, that seems right. It seems fair. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're gonna get to it. Yeah, uh, let your listeners know that we're once again, because of the sound quality, uh, in a positive way, recording in the same room. We are, and... Uh, my eyes are closed. Yeah, my visual right now is uh, his eyes are closed from from the get, just from the very top here. So, mm-hmm. um... And know who's, uh, whose eyes are closed as well? Hazel. Ah, that's correct. Mm-hmm. That's correct. She is sleeping right next to us. Yeah, she is. She is. Well, would you like to know who, nope, which two neighborhoods, <laughs> oh, I'm starting off well. Mm. All right. You have Cannonsburg. Okay. And Richland Township. Ooh, okay. Ooh. So opposite ends of town. Yes. Correct. Correct. Let's do it, shall we? Sure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, this neighborhood was once called the most radioactive town in America and was even visited by Madame Curie in 1921. Ah, um, let's shoot for Cannonsburg, shall we? That's a darn good shot you have there, Don. (laughs) That is correct. Cannonsburg. Okay, so... The home of Sarah's Candy. Who knew? Right? I had no idea. Okay, so there was, naturally, a lot of uranium in this area. And the Standard Oil Company operated a radium refining mill there from 1911 till 1922. Uh, and that is around the time uh, when it became known as, quote, the most radioactive town in America. Uh, During this time, to give you an idea, this plant produced more radium in one year than all of the radium plants in all of the world combined. Marie Curie, Curie, I don't know why I've emphasized it that way, (laughs) (laughs) visited the plant on May 27th, 1921. Uh, Incidentally, she won two Nobel Prizes. Did you know that? I did not know that. I thought she only had one. Only one. Yeah. So her first in 1903 was in physics, which she shared with her husband and Henri Becquerel. I'm so sorry (laughs) to those of you who speak French. That was my attempt. Um, But her second one, she won in chemistry in 1911 for her work in radioactivity. Uh, But then, anywho, so from 1930 to 1942, the Standard Oil Company then... um, the company was purifying uranium ore. Then the mill was designated in the 1978 Uranium Mill Tailings Radiation Control Act. Take a breath after that. That's easy for you to say. Exactly. As eligible for federal funds for cleanup. So the site and 163 nearby properties were remediated and residual radioactivity was consolidated into a covered clay-lined cell at the mill site. Cleanup finally began in the late 1980s and lasted into the 2000s, but their effects are still seen today, the radioactive effects in that area. 
And I just want to throw this in there because I wasn't entirely sure. Now, Don, you may have been. But I was thinking about uranium versus radium. Yes, for all the, the physics I do in my spare time, <laughs> I might know the answer to this. <laughs> I never know with you. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know all of the things that you do. Um, so uranium actually is the largest naturally occurring element on Earth. Didn't know that. And then radium occurs naturally from the radioactive decay of uranium over time. Ah, so they're connected. They're connected. Uh-huh. But that is that. All right. Okay. One for one, no biggie. Mm-mm. No pressure. Mm-mm. Number two. Charles Gibson Jr. built the first steam flour mill west of the Alleghenies in this neighborhood around the time of the Civil War. Um, Franklin Township? If that were an option. Richland Township, I think you mean. Sure. Richland. Franklin? Franklin Uh, Richland? Sure. You know, it's the same. It's two syllables. Yes. (laughs) I'm, st- I'm sticking with it, though. <laughs> and good for you. You're right. Richland Township. Gotcha. Yeah. I was thinking Franklin Park. Yes. And is that it. in Richland Township? No. That's no. going to be more a Wexford situation. Ah, okay. But they're, I mean, they're, but they're still up in them northern parts. Yes. Yeah. The North Hills. Yes. So this is specifically that we're talking about here, this seam flour mill was in Gibsonia, which is part of Richland Township. Hmm. Charles Gibson. Which sounds like a flower. But you mean the other kind of flower. <laughs> oh, I do. Like the... Like the... Ingredient. Yes. Okay. So, but, so, Charles Gibson, Gibsonia. So this steam flower mill was built on Grubbs Road there in Gibsonia, and his granddaughter would recall hearing stories of all the farmers riding to the mill with sacks of grain across the horses' saddles when this was all in, uh, going on big time, I suppose. So the early history of Gibsonia pretty much comes from the Gibson family. May deducted that from the name. Yes. Um, so Charles Gibson Jr. built the family homestead in 1839. Just below that home... Today, you will find the remains of the foundation of his general store. Now, the building, unfortunately, was destroyed by fire in 1908. Um, But it was also the first post office in Gibsonia, that same building. And for about 10 years before it burned down, it was uh, used as a mission of the Christian and Missionary Alliance Church. So a lot of things. That building saw a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Number three, this neighborhood was the site of the first institution of higher learning west of the Allegheny Mountains. What is a Richland? We're going to go with Richland, right? That's my... That is the township. Township? Let's give it a, let's give it a go. Richland Township. Oh, no. Oh, well. I mean, you know, you can't win them all, Don. No, I cannot. No one else would ever want to come on and be a guest. (laughs) Um, It is Cannonsburg. So that institution was Jefferson College. Mm -hmm. So 
Okay, the root of this college is widely believed to be a log schoolhouse run by John McMillan. Uh, and he made his way over to this frontier in 1776. Uh, he was a Princeton grad, although at the time it was known as the College of New Jersey. But he came here and began teaching, was also trying to train men to, to be Presbyterian ministers. But there was this one-room school. Uh, wasn't quite to co- uh, collegiate level, but they learned Greek, Latin, mathematics, and other subjects needed for licensure as Presbyterian ministers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then it was founded as Cannonsburg Academy in 1791. Then name change to Jefferson College uh, in 1802 is when it received its charter as the college. And then... It merged with Washington College in nearby Washington, PA in 1865 to become Washington and Jefferson College. Hmm. Well, there you go. There you do go. His eyes are still closed, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) One more. Oh, yeah, I didn't even tell you. We only have four this time. Oh, good. (laughs) He is smiling, Uh ladies and gentlemen. Um, you're quieter when your eyes are closed. I'm discovering I'm, this. I'm listening more. Yes, you are. What? Okay, that's about right. <laughs> All right, fourth and final. This neighborhood's economic importance came from its location on the B&O Railroad, and the grade in its section was said to be one of the steepest in the east. Richland Township. That is how you bounce back, ladies and gentlemen. And you were on that one. Mm-hmm. You were, you knew that. Indeed. So, let's talk a little about it. So, this right-of-way was originally granted to Pittsburgh, Newcastle, and Lake Erie Railroad. There was a single narrow-gauge track laid in 1870. That line ran from Allegheny City to Newcastle with connections there to the west. And the first president of the B&O Railroad was Charles Gibson Jr., that guy. Wow. He He did, I mean... He got around that township. He sure did. Mm -hmm. He sure did. And then around 1880, the name of the railroad was changed to the Pittsburgh and Western. Hmm. And then stations were being built all along it, so it just kept growing and growing. And for many years, this railroad was the main contact that Richland Township had with the outside world. Wow. Yeah. And then in 1920, uh, the Pittsburgh and Western Railroad was absorbed into the Baltimore and Ohio system. It's a lot. That's That's a a lot. lot. A lot of merging. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. It's a lot going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, you're three for four. Three for four. Not bad. Do you want to open your eyes yet, or? Uh, no, actually, <laughs> I'm all right. Um, so, uh, congratulations, sincerely, on your one-year anniversary of the podcasting. Aw, thank you. Sure, much like Charles Gibson Jr., you've been a lot of places around this city in the last year. So, congrats, <laughs> and keep them coming. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you for being here, Don. Of course. It was totally my choice every single time. 
I know. Mm-hmm. Begging. Yes. Begging to be on. I cannot wait yeah. for the next one. I hear it. I hear it in your voice. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Welcome. <laughs> Bye. Bye. And that is going to do it for us here on our one year anniversary podiversary. I want to thank you all again for listening. And I want to thank, of course, Karen Cordaro, Mrs. C. And a reminder we do still want to hear your stories of times when someone has made your life better. So please do give us a call at 1-833-399-GOOD or send us an email to yinsaregood at gmail.com and tell us about how someone in some way hmm, has made maybe you a better person, a stronger person, or maybe someone with one good deed they did for you on one day, changed that day and changed you a little bit for the better. So until next time, my friends, be safe, be kind, be good. And special thanks to Josh Axelrod, of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, Karen Cordaro, Don DiGiulio, and as always, for our most fabulous artwork, Mike Rubino. 